Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by RNZ Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. On the show this week, Sione Lawaki's life is cut short at the age of 35. Troubled Warriors playmaker Kieran Foran is finally cleared to play in the NRL. Is pedal power the key to winning the America's Cup? Team New Zealand seems to think so. A record number of New Zealand cricketers go up for sale in the Indian Premier League and a cockroach is named Tom Brady. The rugby world this week mourned the premature death of yet another talented former All Black who is suffering severe health issues. Sione Lawaki died on Sunday, aged just 35, and like fellow Tongan star Jonah Lomu, he's understood to have suffered kidney and heart problems. The blockbusting loose forward played 70 Super Rugby games for the Chiefs and 17 for the All Blacks, and was part of the side that contested the 2007 World Cup in France. Loaki's former coach at the Chiefs, Ian Foster, told Ben Robinson Drawbridge he was shocked to learn of the death of a player who made a crucial impact for his team in his first season of Super Rugby. We all knew he'd been fighting illness for a significant amount of time, a few years, but I wasn't quite aware how serious that was. So, you know, tragic news and very sad. When you first picked him to play for the Chiefs, what were your first impressions of him as a player? It was my first year with the Chiefs and we... We had a lot of sort of good, honest rugby players, but we didn't have a lot of players that could bust games open. And so we drafted Sione down specifically for that re- reason. And, um, and he certainly did that. You know, he was he was a powerful, you know, skillful rugby player. He probably wasn't famous for his, for his fitness or his work rate, but what he did give us is a, a whole lot of little magical moments, which... Uh, really helped lift us and you know, particularly that year to the to the playoffs for the first time. So he was a key part of that. Would you agree that he instilled fear in the opposition? Yeah, you know, he, he I mean he had a physicality about him that was quite hard to contain. Which just making you know, his biggest challenge was putting that consistently on the park. But, you know, when he did he was almost unstoppable and I, I think, you know, most Chiefs fans particularly, and I to a lesser extent some all black fans have all got memories of some big things that he's done in games that have really influenced it. And, and I guess that's what really got him up and motivated him. But, you know, key man in our team, you know, the boys loved him. He was an infectious laugh. He, he, he was cheeky and mischievous, but at the same time, he, he, uh, he gave everything for the team. So for younger players who grew up watching Sione, what, what do you think he taught them? Well, certainly a lot on the skill side. And, um, you know, like he opened guys eyes to some things that they could do with his offload and, and for a big man he he had great feet and could sidestep and do that sort of stuff and also you know I think the, the, the team saw someone that, that really you know probably struggled with the, the training side it didn't come naturally to him and then he found it hard 
We always used to come in pre-season overweight and Nick Gill's main job was to try to get him fit for the next two or three months. So, he, you know, the team saw him battle, so they, they knew things didn't come easy for him. But he uh, he lifted them and, and in big moments under pressure. I certainly know that when he started to speak, uh, the guys were pretty keen to follow him. Sione Lawaki's former coach, Ian Foster, speaking to Ben Robinson-Drawbridge. Troubled Warriors playmaker Kieran Foran has been cleared to play in this year's National Rugby League season after satisfying the governing body that he was mentally fit to play. The NRL has registered Foran's contract, meaning he is officially able to join the Warriors. However, he won't be allowed to play until round three of the competition as long as one final assessment confirms he's in the right frame of mind to play. Foran signed a one-year deal with the Warriors in September, but the NRL refused to register the contract after his troubled season at Parramatta. He walked out of the club, and he suffered a mental breakdown after splitting up with his partner. He also associated himself with notorious Australian gambler Eddie Hayson, who's been linked to match-fixing. He's since cut ties with Hayson and underwent a rehabilitation program for his gambling addiction. The Warriors managing director Jim Doyle told media he's pleased to finally have foreign cleared. I was always apprehensive as to when the day would come, but I knew he would get there. I mean, Kieran's a pretty special kid, and I knew he was determined to get himself right. And the NRL knew that. Uh, We've talked to him quite a lot of times, and I got feedback that it was a matter of time. It was just a case of when we got there. So, no, I was confident all along we'd get there, but it's still good to get it behind us and therefore have certainty. As we all know, I mean, it's not... You know, less than a year ago, and he was a pretty dark place. But I mean, he's a, he's, very, he's a very tough kid. He's very resilient and things. So we felt changing the environment to get him here first and foremost, surrounded by some really good people, both internally and externally, that he would get back to where he was before. So we knew it would happen. So you didn't, it wasn't a gamble in your mind. Oh, not in my mind. Not at all. Not at all. When I talked to to him from day one, I mean, I've known him for a number of years. I didn't think it was a gamble. I talked to some external people, I talked to the NRL and, and you know, I talked to coaching staff and various others and we all felt that it was the right thing to do for him and for the club and we would definitely get there. Jim, what was his reaction? Kieran's? Um, a little bit of both, a bit of disappointment. You know, he felt that I want to play round one. You know, I've done nothing wrong. I left the game because I had some mental illness. Um, that's now been you know, resolved. His independent psychiatrist has provided the NRL with with a letter and guidance and feedback that he actually now should be returning back to the game. He's in the right state in mind. Um, so he's a bit disappointed it wasn't like the registrations today and he can play tomorrow. Um, but he understood. And the thing from him is is that, that it's it's now clear that he just he can play round three, so he can prepare accordingly. So this psychological assessment he still has to undergo is that the final hurdle, or will he have to go under f- further tests? No, no, that's that's the that's the final hurdle. I mean, and they've said that they've received that expert advice that says that he's ready, but they just want to doubly check that. So in four weeks' time, the same person that's written this original report will write another report. Um, we wouldn't see him go backwards. We would see him obviously uh, continuously progressing. So that's not an issue. It was well documented that when he did leave the game because of mental health issues, you know, while he was away from the game, um, he ended up spending some time with, with colourful people and things, uh, and they wanted just to check that he hadn't done anything against the NRL rules or bring the game into disrepute, 
and obviously his registration today shows that that's not the case. What's in place uh, to make sure that Kieran doesn't fall off the wagon, so to speak, over the next 12 months? Well, it's the same with all of our players here. I mean, we've got a very strong welfare and education department. We work with our players on a continuous basis. You know, we, we, they get external support and help, and so it's the same as any player. But Kieran obviously has been going for external support, and he'll continue on that. Has he expressed his desire to you based on what he's experienced at the Warriors so far that he wants to be here beyond? Yeah, Kieran, Kieran doesn't see himself as a player that hops from club to club. He, he wants to, I mean, you've seen that at Manly, he was at Manly for a while. He expected to be at Parramatta for a while. Um, so, but that's an that's, that's a issue for down the road. We'll, we'll work on that. Warriors Managing Director Jim Doyle speaking to media. Team New Zealand's launched the boat with which it'll contest the America's Cup in Bermuda in just over three months. They've gone with pedal grinders rather than the traditional handheld grinders. The team says the use of pedals to power the hydraulics is an idea they believe is unique to their boat, but admit it's a punt. They hope it'll provide more power to the boat's control systems. The skipper, Glenn Ashby, told RNZ's Todd Nile they've been working on the idea in secret for a while. Yeah, we, look, we basically you know, looked at the, the pedalling option um, you know, about three years ago, give or take, a couple of months, and it's um, something that's been on the table for a very long time, and really over the last 18 months we've, we've put a huge amount of effort into developing that to a, a stage now where we can actually get the boat on the water and actually use it as a realistic way to, um, to power the yacht. So um, you know, the testing phase, the, um, the jig testing, um, all the pump development and everything that's gone into it has been... Um, extremely critical to, to, to make it all happen and um, you know, it's been a, a collective involvement of a lot of people from a lot of different departments within the team to be able to come together and, and make that a reality from, from the existing grinding pedestals. And if, if the pedals deliver, I don't know, do you call them pedals? Yeah, call them whatever you like, yeah, pedals is fine. <laughs> if they deliver what you hope, what does that actually mean to the way the boat can sail? Yeah, look, obviously uh, efficiency is one of the keys to, to getting the boat around the track, but um, you know you, you need power as well, and the boats are um, very underpowered as far as what you actually need to do all the, the manoeuvres and adjust the wing and the jib and the foils uh, all at once in some manoeuvres. So, um, yeah, there's absolutely... I don't think there'd be any team out there that would say, oh, we've got too much power to sail these boats. So we've basically looked at it as a, as a challenge to... to, to to be able to use as much power as we can effectively and um, if you've got a little bit of extra power and you use it efficiently, hopefully that turns into performance and speed um, against your opponents. So um, that's that's what we've been focusing on. You've been looking around. Does anyone else seem to be heading that way? Uh, Not that we've seen thus far. Um, It's it's a massive one to take on. It's, it's, It's been tried in the past and a lot of people have sort of discounted it for various reasons. But I think with um, the technology, uh, the materials that you can use these days and and a lot of clever guys all working on on that one project for quite a while, I think anything's possible these days. And um, hopefully we've made the right decision. We'll find out in a few months' time. Team New Zealand skipper Glenn Ashby talking with reporter Todd Nile. You're listening to Extra Time. 19 New Zealand cricketers are among a myriad of international players chasing Indian Premier League contracts when the annual auction takes place on Monday. Pace bowler Trent Bolt is the most expensive of the New Zealanders, having a reserve of $312,000. Five current or former Black Caps are already guaranteed contracts after they were retained by their franchises. Brendan McCullum, Mitchell McLennigan, Tim Southey, Adam Milne and Kane Williamson. 
Spinner Mitchell Santner, who has a reserve of 104000 is also among those chasing a contract. Santner hasn't played in the IPL previously, but last year performed well in the 2020 World Cup in India, which he hopes didn't go unnoticed. All going well. I guess you get picked up, and I think there's a few lads in the auction. So, um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, first things first is to, is to play for the country and, and to perform well for them and, and hope and help the team win. So um, that's probably the on the forefront of my mind at the moment. Mm. Mind you, your exploits there last year will no doubt give you a, a bit of confidence, a bit of help, hopefully, come come auction time? Yeah, I mean, hopefully. That's, you know, obviously um, bowling on those on those pitches over there offer a little bit more for the spinner. So um, it was nice to, you know, be able to bowl um, over there and, I guess, do, do well. Um, you know, back here in New Zealand doesn't spin much, so you have to bowl a little bit differently than you would over there. And so, it's, you know, it brings the spinner back into into the game a little more if it can spin. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I guess the auction's quite fickle. Um, you know, if, if you're playing well at the right time, you know, they could pick you up and on another day they might not. So um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. How do you go about setting your, your auction price? I mean, you've put $100,000. How much thought did you give that? Or is it simply a case of, yeah, I want to be part of this, so I'm not going to maybe put myself out of reach too yeah. much? I guess it's, yeah, it's, I guess it's a hard one to, to choose. I mean, you can probably go on the low one and then hope you get, um, you know, um, get a few bids and it gets, you know, put up a little bit. But and then saying that, you don't, I guess, want to go for, if you're not going to play, it's it's quite a tough, I guess, tough place to, you know, to be if, you, if you're not playing cricket. So, um, yeah, there's obviously a little bit of thought that goes in. And with the amount of cricket that we've got this summer and coming up, I guess you, you want to be playing as much as you can and, you know, it'll be, I guess, a long time away from home if, you know, you go to the IPL and then it might be straight to Champions Trophy all going well and stuff like that. So, um, I guess there's a little bit of thought, but, yeah, I guess I was happy with that second bracket and I think a few of the other lads are in that second bracket as well. So, who who do you sort of get advice from over that? Talking to the other lads that have been there, you know, in, the, in our team at the moment and dealt with the experience of the IPL and um, they're always good for advice and then I had a little talk to uh, Vittori about, you know, because he's obviously quite heavily involved in, in the IPL. So, you know, I guess there's quite a lot of thought gone into it. And, I, yeah, I think probably the second bracket was pretty good for me at this stage. Have you sort of had a, a hint that there are there is some interest in you? Um, I guess a, a little bit, but it's I guess it's hard to tell. You know, on the day, if, I guess they've only got so much money they can use and if they buy the big, big players and, and stuff like that, but... Um, with it being a very fickle nature of the IPL, it's especially the auction. Um, yeah, it's it's still up in the air a little bit at the moment, so we'll have to wait and see in a few days and see what happens. A bit of a chess game, isn't it? Depending on who who gets what and whether which club gets who they want or didn't want, and then who they've actually got money to spend on or have to try and pick up other players, isn't it? I guess they've all got people in mind who they want to get, and especially especially some of the big dogs. Um, so you know, I guess it all depends on how much money they've been on, on players and how much they got left and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a guessing game at the moment. Mitchell Santner talking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. New rugby laws will be unveiled to the public in this year's Super Rugby competition. World Rugby's made a number of changes to laws, mainly around head-high tackles and how refs communicate with the television match official. 
Head-high tackles will be broken down into categories to give refs greater clarity around what defines a penalty, a yellow card or a red card. Referees will also now adopt a rugby league tactic when confiding in the TMO. The on-field ref will say either to the TMO, I have a try or I have no try, and the TMO will require definitive proof to overturn the ref's decision. The changes are expected to help speed up the game as well as make it safer for players. There has been some concern though in the Northern Hemisphere that the new head-high laws are changing the game too much. When trialled in Europe, referees were yellow carding any connection with the head. New Zealand referee Ben O'Keefe told me refs right across the globe now have a greater understanding of the rules. Obviously they just refereed how they were told um, and you could argue that you know, potentially there were a lot more yellow cards than there needed to be. Um, that just took time and uh, over time we had some good examples of uh, when we could actually use a bit more common sense. So um, I think we've calibrated it to a good point where now that when we go out and, and, and use it in Super Rugby, because of what they've done, done up north, um, you know, we're not going to see that, that storm of yellow cards. We're actually going to see you know, penalties for high tackles. And if there's anything else added to that, then that's when we're going to think of, of further sanctions. Um, taking a look also, obviously, at the um, awarding of a try, saying I have a try or I don't have a try, very similar to what we see in league uh, here in New Zealand and Australia, Reasoning behind that, um, from uh, referee's point of view, I guess. Uh, I think from from our point of view, it just it, we're just um, getting to a point where we realise that the TMO um, sitting in the box, they have all the technology available, um, and that really they are the best person once we send it up to them to make a call. So, I think it's a really good initiative that the referee we're going to we're going to say our on-field decision. So it might be try, um, but we just need to check something potentially a knock-on leading into the try, or maybe a foot and touch. And really, so the best person to, to see that in terms of uh, you know seeing that fine detail is the TMO, and not potentially us standing 50 metres away from a screen on the field. So, I think it's a good change, and hopefully, all that means for fans is that um, we get quicker decisions, um, they're accurate, and we have less sort of uh, discussion between the TMO and the referee, which can just slow down the game. Have the, the Super Rugby players, in your opinion, sort of had enough time to bet in with these new rules, with you know, because they're going to be fully in, in effect by, by round one? Yeah, I think um, there's been there's been some good work um, between uh, a lot of the teams, um, the way the coaches have taken on board the, the new interpretations or the new laws, because certainly they're more aware now that look, we've got to tackle smarter. You know, we can still make strong tackles, we can still drive people back in tackles, but we just need to make sure that the body position isn't doesn't mean that they're at risk of, of, of having a high tackle. Um, and certainly uh, with the other the scrum, scrum engagement, um, they've had some good practice now where us as referees, we've been able to practice with them too and discuss, OK, look, this is what we're actually looking for this year. And um, they've been all really, really positive. So I think um, they've taken a lot of that on board. Um, it's not, you know, not to say that you know, with the first two rounds there's going to be a few little um, tweaking that we still need to do. But I think um, you know, after, after a few games, uh, we're going to have some pretty, um, pretty good games of rugby to be involved in. I mean, they're always, World Rugby are always tweaking the rules uh, around rugby, you know, making it safer, but also making sure they juggle safety with, you know, entertainment and at the same time common sense, like was I mentioned today. Do you sort of feel we're getting to the point now where we've got sort of an equilibrium of that going on? Yeah, certainly. I think um, there, might be, there is a lot of pressure on World Rugby to get the, um, the game safe, but also to get the game right so that it's a, it's a spectacle and that we can, you know, see players, you know, with their skills and to play rugby. Um, so I think they, are, they definitely are. They always have. They move it in a positive direction, and this is just another. Um, this is another example that look. I think they're going the right way, and certainly um, we will probably see 
you know, early on in this competition, the changes in terms of uh, the ball being in, the, in play more, more tries, um, and you know, some good rugby. New Zealand's referee Ben O'Keefe talking to me there. The new Blacksticks men's hockey coach Darren Smith says he's hoping to get a bit more physicality from his side. Smith, a former 200-test player, takes over from Colin Batch, who stood down in December. Smith was an assistant with the Black Sticks before heading offshore to head the Ireland women's programme. Smith told Barry Guy he was impressed with the men's game at the Rio Olympics, and the physical style is something that New Zealanders are best at. I um, watched Rio closely, and uh, there was a lot of good stuff, You know, some good players, uh, some good hockey, and... I enjoyed uh, some of the uh, performances, uh, and, and I, I think um, following on from Rio, there was a group of young players that were introduced over a series in Auckland and, and also in Melbourne, uh, where they they played. And, and you've also had a Junior World Cup that was in December, so there's a whole crop of new athletes as well. So we want to be able to assess those players and, and um, try and see if we can test them out. Uh, so we know which ones are going to come through and, and, and challenge the incumbents that are still going to be there from Rio. Yeah, and in terms of what I'll bring, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see us uh, playing a physical, uh, tech-minded style of hockey. You know, I, I just think that you mix that with some hard defence and some good decision-making in defence. It starts to suit the Kiwi way of playing, and, and we want to have that identity so that you know, when we do play, we, we uh, reflect what makes a Kiwi and what makes a Kiwi successful on the sporting field. And, and, uh, and I'd love to bring that element as well. So, so what, physicality or intimidation perhaps, you know, hasn't been there for a while? Oh, no, I don't think that. I don't think that. Like, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Colin and Shane McLeod prior to Colin as well. And I'm, I'm not... Um, uh, suggesting it hasn't been there. I, I actually think there's a lot of good elements in there, but certainly those, those will be the the impacts that we're looking to make uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, it's not. I, I don't think it's reinventing the wheel. I think it's uh, make, making sure that we're true to our, our identity and and, um, and really going at the game hard. So, is that something you coach, or uh, is that the type of player you select? Both. So, I think I think it's the style of coaching that will bring onto the pitch. It's also the type of player that we'll select as well. You know, we, hockey's moved that way big time. You, know, you, you watch it and it's lightning quick. It's uh, auto-touch. People uh, going at breakneck speed and that's how it is and we want to embrace that and really uh, um, go at that style of play. So there's a bit of both to what you're saying in my view. You know, what we want is a bit of a point of difference as well. You watch uh, some of the European style hockey and there's a lot of fluidity and possession and skill and I like that as well but what's going to be the the point of difference for a Kiwi and and part of that point of difference uh, in my view is that we we bring a bit of oomph to what we're trying to do so when we do uh, look to attack with that little bit more uh, direct you know there's a bit of physicality to what we're trying to do to, to get in towards the goal um, and there's also a bit of physicality in our defence. So, yeah, I mean, shoulder to shoulder is is, uh, is part of that for sure. But what we, you know, what we're seeking is a, a point of difference so that we can we can uh, get in amongst uh, some of these European teams and uh, and show them the Kiwi style of, of hockey as well. 
do you think you can get that in place with the, what you got the World League semi-finals coming up and that sort of thing this year? Yeah, so we've got a, it's a big year. We we uh, we start pretty quick with uh, uh, there's three series on the horizon in the next two or three months, which will give us plenty of tests, and then we'll build into the World League three in South Africa in July. Uh, so we'll be looking looking. Uh, uh, to get some of the components in place quite quickly and build the foundation uh, towards next year and, and uh, the World Cup in December uh, 2018. So, you know, that, that's what we'll be seeking to do as, as quickly as we can towards that Johannesburg tournament in July. New men's hockey coach Jaron Smith talking to Barry Guy. The greatest shot put field to ever line up in New Zealand will compete in Christchurch this weekend and Auckland next week. Olympic champion Ryan Krauser heads a field that also includes a former world indoor champion and New Zealand's best. Barry Guy with this report. Some of the biggest grunters from World Athletics have descended on Christchurch with Athletics New Zealand luring four of the top nine men's shot putters from last year's Rio Olympics for two events over the next week. Athletics events manager Gareth Archer has no doubts about the quality of the field. Well, you'd have to say it's right up there in terms of world class and we're certainly confident in, in, in promoting the event that it will be one of the best men's field, if not the best men's field for shot put anywhere in the world this year, probably outside of of the London World Championships, of course. Olympic champion Ryan Krauser is the star attraction. He surprised many with his Olympic record throw that won him gold in Rio, and many are predicting he'll be the next man to go over 23 metres. Krauser admits his six months since the Olympics have been hectic, but he's managed to refocus by getting back into his training and says he feels pretty good with his form and he likes the competition he'll face. For me, coming from the States, it's kind of middle of our indoor season. So for me, I'm almost treating it like it would be an indoor meet in terms of how I would kind of appraise my performance. And so I'm a a big believer in that kind of the the bigger the meet, the more pressure, uh, the better people tend to throw. However, Krauser isn't just throwing while he's here. He's also planning on making the most of our outdoors with some hunting and fishing. Canterbury's Tom Walsh, who finished third to Krauser at Rio, is the big local hope. He's delighted to have this quality of field competing at home. To have Ryan Krauser here, Olympic champ. Again, Ryan Whiting, double world indoor champ. Damien Birkenhead, Olympic finalist. And of course, our own Jacko there, mate. You know, all in one field, it's crazy, you know. In, in Europe, you don't get fields this good sometimes. Walsh, who, like the rest of the field, is aiming towards this year's World Championships, is hoping this will further enhance the interest from young athletes locally, who on Sunday will be able to get up close. We compete in a few meets overseas that are in town squares and stuff like that. And I think it's better for the crowd because the crowd can see you from what, two or three metres away rather than rather than being 30 metres away in the stands. And uh, it gives you a perspective of you know, how much energy that the boys are putting into the shot put and how fast and how smoothly they move in the circle as well. Jack O'Gill, who was ninth in Rio, demonstrated he's in good form early in the season, hitting 21 metres in a meeting in Lower Hutt a few weeks ago, and he is eager to take some scalps at the two meetings. Also competing is Waikato teenager Ryan Ballantyne, who has broken numerous records in his young career. The field will also compete at the Auckland Track Challenge next weekend. Sunday's competition in Christchurch will be held at the Retro Sports Facility at the corner of Durham and Kilmore Streets. 
the vacant lot that was previously occupied by the Park Royal. Finally, Atlanta Falcons fans no doubt were calling Tom Brady all sorts of names after this month's Super Bowl, and now the city has a cockroach named after the New England quarterback. Brady and the Patriots proved hard to kill off in the Super Bowl, and Zoo Atlanta commemorated New England's historic 25-point comeback victory by paying off a losing bet to its northern counterpart. The Atlanta Zoo and the Roger Williams Park Carousel Village in Rhode Island had agreed the losing side would name a baby animal after the winning team's star quarterback. Meet baby Madagascar hissing cockroach Tom Brady, named after the Super Bowl's most valuable player, who led the Patriots from a 28-3 third quarter deficit to a 34-28 overtime victory. So we've got Mike and Carol... And we also have the rest of the offspring. We've got Greg and Peter. We also have Bobby. And of course, we have Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And we have Jan. And we have Cindy. But of course, we don't want to forget our final member of our family, our littlest baby of them all. I'd like to introduce Tom Brady. One of the largest species of cockroach, Growing up to 7 centimetres, Madagascar hissing cockroaches are found inside of rotting logs and are also apparently kept as pets. And that's Extra Time for this week. Your feedback is always welcome via Twitter at RNZ Sport or email sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.